Hey, hockey fans, welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box, right here on the AHL Report, part of Rocket Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Amy Johnson. So glad you've uh, joined us today. I'm also the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. But I wouldn't be able to do this show without my fantastic co-host. He is the founder of Rocket Sports Media and our editor-in-chief across all of our platforms, and that would be Rick Stevens. How are you today? Happy February. Fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> and even more fabulous than usual. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I, I, I heard, I heard yeah. the official prognostication is in for an oh, early spring. Yeah. So I am very, very excited. The um, official prognosticator for all of North America, that would be Wyerton Willie, um, yeah, up in uh, Bruce County, Ontario, um, Wyerton, a pretty little spot. Um, yeah, he um, he's pretty. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember Bill Murray did a did a movie about. Oh about wait, Wyatt no, he didn't. Yeah. No, Bill Murray did a movie about Punxsutawney Phil, who Who's that? happened to be in agreement with Wyerton Willie, and technically, since Punxsutawney yeah. copied his work. No, 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 no. Punxsutawney is located geographically further east than where Wyerton Willie calls home. So Phil would have come out sooner. So I do believe it's Wyerton Willie who just picked up on Punxsutawney Phil's cue. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. But hey, they're in agreement. Well, That's all that matters. They're in agreement. Those two are in agreement. Now there's the other guy. Shuba Kennedy Sam has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, he doesn't have a clue. And Balzac, Billy, and and and, and Fred Marmot, whoever decided to name a poor, <laughs> it's a groundhog for God's sake, and you called him Fred Lamarmot. Yeah. Those two, I don't know what they were drinking the night before. Uh, too much. Groundhog Day Punch or something, but we're not listening to them. We're listening to Wyerton Willie and Punk's Tiny Phil. But speaking of Bill Murray and Groundhog Day and Groundhog's um, best commercial of the best Super Bowl commercial, hands down, and it wasn't even close. I don't even know if there was a second place, but um, unfortunately, it's for a crappy product, Matt is Jeep, but I, they need all the help they can get. That's fine. Bill Murray, Groundhog Day. Uh, that commercial, a uh, special appearance by Stephen Tobolsky, and, and, and it was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. One of the best um, Super Bowl commercials ever, Bill Murray. Absolutely. It was it was a great commercial. It was tremendous. And, I mean, with the Super Bowl falling on Groundhog Day, kudos to Jeep. Uh, somebody had Somebody had to latch on to that idea of something. Got to bring the movie back somehow um jeep was the one who did it and boy did they do it well um ugliest i mean i'm not i i'm not exactly fond of jeeps either but the one that he was driving in the commercial was ugly as sin but uh yeah very very good and yeah the super bowl commercials were there even commercials i mean there were there were breaks in the game where plenty of politically motivated nonsense was spewed across the screen on one side of the spectrum or the other. Um, and I really, you know, when I watch, when I watch the Super Bowl, I want to be entertained. I don't want to listen to 
political nonsense. So, and I want to know how much Tide paid to be in on everybody else's commercials. Yeah, how do you do that? That had to have been expensive. Mm-hmm. The only one, one of the only ones that genuinely made me made me laugh was the Jason Momoa coming home from bad. a long day yeah, at work and and kind of <laughs> turns into like a skinny scrawny little long haired slide guitar playing hippie dude in his living room <laughs> which was pretty good <laughs> but now yeah, we'll have um, to ask we'll have to ask our buddy Shaq in St. John's if that's uh, anywhere close to the truth cuz uh Jason right. Momoa spent a great deal of time out in St. John's and uh, Newfoundland filming and uh, so he, he would he would know he would know. Well, we have a fabulous show for you all today. Um, chock full. When is it not? In our first segment, uh, we're actually going to focus on the Laval rocket in the first segment because, <laughs> well, there's just always something to talk about. And this week, there's like eight things to talk about because, you know, the Montreal Canadiens are just keeping us on their, on our toes with uh, all of the happenings and decisions and drama coming out of the Canadians organization. So we're going to spend some time talking about the Laval rocket. There's been some roster movements, some send downs, some call-ups. Plus take a look at how they did um, in their first weekend of play back from the all-star break uh, and the results of those games, where that puts them in terms of playoff positioning, because now the race is on for the, you know, if, if every game wasn't counting before all of those points are counting now. So we're going to take a look at all of that for you Habs fans out there in the second segment. When we go around the AHL, uh, we've got some general AHL news, but uh, fans, no matter what hockey team, uh, what fan base you're part of, what hockey team you support, you won't want to miss a very special guest interview that we have uh, in the second segment, Mr. Patrick Williams, uh, from NHL.com, the AHL correspondent for NHL.com. He also works with EP Rinkside. Uh, He is joining us today uh, to talk about, uh, basically to give us the the scoop and the lowdown on on what's the state of the league in the AHL right now, uh, fresh off the plane from California and the AHL All-Star Classic last week. Uh, And then finally, uh, uh, Section 3, Segment 3, we're going to go beyond the AHL. And wouldn't you know, that little little town called Trois-Rivières is cropping up in the news again for Montreal Canadiens fans. We'll tell you uh, what the newest news is regarding a potential ECHL affiliate for the Habs in Trois-Rivières in Quebec. So, Rick, we have got plenty to talk about today excited to get going absolutely so we'll start with laval uh they uh had a nice long break for the ahl all-star classic charles sudan of course was the laval rocket representative uh and i should say round of applause to mr charles sudan uh who looked like he had a fantastic time uh at the all-star classic his family uh was there and uh, won the accuracy shooting contest, uh, got all four of his targets in five shots. Um, and I would say that they were not electronic targets. So he was actually able to just break them, <laughs> as you should be able to do. Like those styrofoam t- targets. 
The styrofoam targets are one of some things just don't need advancements in technology and accuracy shooting targets. I contend are one of them. Gosh, darn it. Um, so, uh, after that, um, there, the team had a few more days off before they reconvened back on home ice Friday night and Saturday night for a back-to-back series against division rival, the Belleville senators. And, you know, they play Belleville is the team that they play 12 times a year, uh, leading into this game. They had only beaten Belleville once. So far this season Um, and Belleville has been, we've mentioned it on past episodes. Belleville has been on an absolute tear this season. Uh, Their prospect pool is quite deep. Troy man is doing is, is moving mountains to manage his roster. Um, He's had plenty of call-ups and injuries and all sorts of uh, adversity that he and his squad have had to face and just doing a fantastic job in Belleville and uh, coming into this series against Laval over the weekend, uh, Belleville was at the top of the division again. Um, and uh, I have to say that's where they stayed. And um, Laval still only has one win on the season against the Belleville senators, because not only did they drop Friday's game, they dropped Saturday's as well. Both of them, they lost by one goal. Um and now Friday night's game was one that Belleville got up early um, and, and Laval tried to come back uh, and, and managed to pot a couple of goals in the, in the third period to bring it within one, but they couldn't finish it a little bit disappointing for them. Um, Saturday, however, was my goodness. It was, I don't like how many times this season I've had to say, Oh, I think this was the worst game I've ever seen the Laval Rocket play. But, well, we have a new contender. Um, yet again, time after time after time after time this season, I can't tell you how many games the Laval Rocket have lost after holding a decent lead and then blowing it in the third period. And yet again, they were up uh, They were up four to one. Yeah, they were up four to one. Um, in the third period, they scored three goals to kick off the third period, um, went up four to one, and they were up four to one through I don't know, maybe seven minutes or so left in the third period. And then I have no idea what they did, but Belleville completely stepped up to the plate, um, managed to find the equalizer with nine seconds left in the in regulation to tie the game. And Belleville goes on and wins it in overtime. Um, just an absolute disaster. Um, so they managed to get a point out of that, which technically puts them back into fourth place um, for now. But it's the rest of the field behind them is is quickly catching up. The three teams, the, the three or four teams who are behind them in the standings right now, Rick, are within like four points or so it's pretty close. So they don't have a comfortable spot in fourth place right now. Yeah. I think that, um, again, it's a bit of a wake up call uh, for, um, fans of the Canadians, uh, organization. And, and that would include uh, rocket fans as well that, you know, we've heard so much that the Canadians are the only team 
or it seems that that's what it's what said that that uh, have prospects and and uh, we find out throughout the season that not only do other teams have prospects but those other prospects are being played being played a lot uh, and contributing uh, in meaningful ways and um that comeback by by Belleville um mm. we we've talked about Alex Formanton before uh, he, yep. he's having a strong season. He had three assists. Josh Norris is having a great season. Yes, he uh, is. Goal and two assists. Uh, his twenty-fourth goal of this of the year. Um, and Laval is is um, is having a hard time. And and you know, uh, even the week before, we noticed that uh, in the shootout, um, it was Laval that put out their their vets for the shootout and and right you know um the other team puts out all their their young players and it, it it's it's it has to be frustrating to be a prospect um on uh, the laval rocket now even with all of that help with all of that nhl talent with the large payroll uh that's uh that's that's uh, stashed um, in the AHL for the Rocket, um, they are a, a bubble team uh, on the playoff uh, in the playoff picture, um, holding a playoff spot right now. Uh, but that could change soon with players uh, with teams behind them uh, holding games in hand. Holding games in hand, and we will remind people that when it comes down to uh, a playoff berth, it's the winning percentage that will ultimately decide things. And so although Laval is in fourth place, Toronto is just one point behind them in fifth place. Uh, But Toronto has a better win percentage. So that's a problem for Laval. Behind that, Binghamton, Cleveland, and Syracuse all tied for sixth, seventh, and eighth place with 46 points. So those three teams are only four points out of Laval's position. Uh, and two of those three have games in hand, uh, as does Toronto. Toronto has two games in hand on Laval. Binghamton has two games in hand on Laval. Cleveland has one. So, um, you know, having games like this, particularly within a division, where you can't quite find the finish, you can't quite get that win, or you have a lead and you blow it in the third period. These are points that you're giving to to division rivals that are really going to come back to bite them at the end of the year. Uh, and this week isn't going to get any easier. They host Utica tomorrow night. Uh, Utica is currently sitting six points ahead of Laval in the standings in third place. Uh, so Utica is going to to be looking to make gain some ground on Rochester this week. So they're going to come with full force, that's for sure. Uh, and on Saturday, they get to play Belleville again, except this time they're playing it in Ontario. So um, they'll be on the road uh, playing against Belleville. Again, they've only won against Belleville once this season. Um, so they'll play there on Saturday night. And then look at that. Sunday afternoon, they go to Toronto. So last week was all divisional play. This week is all divisional play. And last week they came out with one point out of four, not good enough, uh, and gave a point away to Belleville at the same time. Uh, gave two points away, sorry, two points to Belleville um, in that, in that uh, overtime loss. So it's going to be – it's going to be difficult. Uh, and we've heard from the coach all season long, all of the adversity talk and all of the, oh, there's injuries and all oh, there's call-ups. And well, it, the, 
welcome to the AHL because any coach in any of the 31 teams around the league will have the same story for you. Um, now, interestingly enough, Rick, uh, this, <laughs> this week the roster in Laval got, uh, got a little bigger. And it also got a lot more attention. Suddenly, my goodness, Place Bell was not only bursting at the seams with a sellout crowd on Friday night. Because, Well, when you open the deck and you sell tickets for $5, that tends to happen. Uh, but, okay, congratulations to, to, to Place Bell. Their second sellout since their inaugural opening night. Let me repeat that. That's only the second time that they've sold out Place Bell since their home opener in their inaugural season. Um, and they did it by selling a hundred tickets at $5, a hundred tickets at $10 and uh, more at $15 in the upper deck. Um, it was also their 100th home game. So lots of interesting things falling into place uh, that day. So not only was Plus Bell bursting at the seams with spectators, Rick, but uh Wow. The orange line from downtown Montreal was just packed full of media members coming from the Bell Center, um, <laughs> particularly on Saturday, but Friday Friday night, too, because uh, there was a one kale flurry in the lineup on, on Friday night, uh, unexpectedly, and then unexpectedly even more on Saturday night found one young Jesperi Kotkaniemi in the lineup as well. I don't think that we have ever seen this many eyes uh, on the Laval Rocket, or on actually, I retract that. This many eyes on the Montreal Canadiens AHL affiliate in a decade, ever maybe. <laughs> and lots, lots of uh, media checking their Google Maps. How do I get to Laval? How do, How I, do I get I... to Laval? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, many, many uh, admittedly so. That was, you know, uh, saying that was their first uh, AHL game, and um, um, great. Um, the, the The attention is is uh, a double edged sword, I guess you'd have to say, because uh, with increased attention, um, puts more eyes on the team uh, to to uh, bring. Um, some criticism and, and questioning of some of the decisions that uh, uh, are made. Um, but, you know, it was, it was, uh, it's interesting to see how the, all the focus now is, is, um, has, has turned uh, to the playoffs. And mm-hmm. we, we heard at, at the very beginning of the season from people that are well-placed in, in Canadian, the Canadians organization that, uh, they were thoroughly embarrassed last year about the attendance at Place Bell uh, for That's the Laval right. Rocket, and that that this season um, there was going to be a focus on improving the attendance. And and um, yes, there's been all kinds of of schemes, uh, you know, and and those included uh, get buy one ticket, get one free in February, and and all those kinds of things. Um, Lots of gimmicks, lots of family friendly, friendly kind of stuff. It wasn't all, uh, you know, they're bringing people in to to entertain as well, and and uh, um, so the, there's been the focus on that. But now, in order to fulfill that, I think with the Canadians not um, mathematically not uh, yet eliminated, but they're almost there, a one 
0.5% chance of making the playoffs uh, in the, the most recent projections. And, and uh, so the, the focus will be on creating a, a positive narrative for the season for the Canadians organization. And that would be for their affiliate in the AHL to make the playoffs. Um, so um, all of the, the buried contracts, all of the NHL uh, experience, all of the AHL experience hasn't so far translated into the kind of season that they were expecting. So you, you, you send, you send reinforcements and those reinforcements came um, in the bodies of, of the, uh, the prospects that, that uh, were with Montreal, Kale Fleury, um, and then later Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Two players who have seen their fair share of the press box at the Bell Center uh, of late. Um, so, of course, Claude Julien and, and company up top uh, making the case that uh, both of these players need to get their game back, need to get some confidence back. And so that's why they're being sent to Laval. Um, I, I believe I remember the same thing being said about Keith Kincaid and we all see how well that went. Um, so here's, so here's the thing. We've heard the, every single time Claude Julian says they're going to go down, they're going to play big minutes. They're going to get their confidence back. Now in Kakinemi's case and in Fleury's case this weekend, I will, I will, I will say that yes, they did get plenty of ice time. Um, that has not been the case when guys have been sent down prior to that in this season. A lot of times they'll get dumped on the third line, um, not a ton of special teams time, uh, and and they won't necessarily get those big minutes that, that people in Montreal think that they're going to get. That didn't happen this time to well, – to, go ahead. Well, let, let, let me just – it depends what the expectation is because I've seen online um, um, lots of people saying, send, send flurry down. He'll play on the top pairing and he'll get all the, um, the PK and power play time. um, uh, And, and he'll be the first guy to go over the boards that, that didn't happen. He played on the second pairing. He, Mm -hmm. he got a little bit of PK, not, not a lot. Um, um, as far as Jesperi Kakanyemi, um, Joel Bouchard said, well, you know, in the neighborhood, as we know, uh, the, the um, time on ice stats are not um, made public. Uh, the coaching staff has them, but they're never made public. Um, Joel Bouchard said Kakanyemi played in the neighborhood of uh, in the neighborhood of 16 minutes, 15, 16 right. minutes, let's say. I, I don't know that that's, uh, that's not too far off of his season average in Montreal, which is 13 minutes. Um, but I don't think when you talk about him playing big minutes, uh, from what I'm seeing people say, they were expecting 18 minutes, 19 minutes. Right. Uh, that that's exactly what they had in, in mind. And certainly, um, you know, as far as ice time, seeing the ice once in, in, in overtime, not getting on the ice in the last four um, minutes to uh, defend uh, the mm-hmm. lead. Uh, those are, those are um, situations you expect uh, him to, to be out there for. And, and hopefully that'll happen in as, as we go forward. Uh, but you want to see him in all situations. 
um, again, um, this this focus on making the playoffs has has Kotkaniemi only taking faceoffs on his strong side, being protected um, and and substituted when a faceoff comes up on his weak side. Now, uh, I understand that happening in the NHL, but at the AHL level, he should be out there. How's he going to learn? How's he going to learn to take faceoffs on his weak side um, if he's protected? Uh, on the a- in the AHL, same thing happened to Ryan Paling. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't taking faceoffs on his weak side either. Um, so the the AHL is supposed to be where you learn and where you make mistakes and and you can go from there. Um, that's that's not quite what's happening. We will hear from uh, Joel Bouchard here in a, in a minute or two in an area that. Uh... I guess they are going to start doing a little trial and error with, with Kotkaniemi. Um, but before we get there, talk a little bit about first with, with Flurry coming down on Friday night. That was the 4-3 to three loss. Um, and, and again, we talk about these prospects wanting, wanting to get their confidence up and so forth. Right now, Laval's on a four-game losing streak. Um, and the players post-game Saturday night, the, the guys who've been there all season – you know, they were frustrated, at, more frustrated than I've ever heard them. Uh, they were furious. Um, allegedly, uh, Phil Veroni basically said that it's effing embarrassing, uh, the fact that they keep giving up these leads and keep losing and can't find a way to win. Um, so I don't know that that's exactly the healthiest environment. You know, the Habs aren't doing much better up top. Um, Laval is not all kittens and sunshine either. Now, Flurry came down. Um, someone uh, did ask him. It's interesting. And I, 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 I thought that this answer from Kale Flurry was interesting. Rick, you mentioned that uh, Flurry came down not on the top pairing. He was on the second pairing, um, which I guess is better than being on the third pairing in Montreal, but was asked um, what he thought about his play in Montreal so far this season. And here's how Kale Fleury answered that. Uh, it was definitely more defensive oriented than uh, kind of last year and uh, years in the past, mm-hmm. uh, especially with just uh, playing third pairing kind of just against the, the third and fourth line and with the third and fourth line, uh, just really trying to be steady and play physical. So that's Kale Fleury saying, yeah, my game in Montreal has not been anything like my game in past years, including last year in Laval has been because I've been on the third line or the third pairing, which forcibly makes me have to change my game. So Rick, doesn't that kind of lend itself to maybe that's why there's needed to be a bit of an adjustment period for Kale Flurry? Sure. Of course. And, um, and we saw uh, with Kale Flurry is that as soon as he's given this opportunity in Lavelle, he reverts to, um, he's like, oh, wow, uh, more minutes, and I get to play a more offensive role. We, see, we've, we saw him carrying the puck from his own zone and, and all the way up the ice and a bit of a, a solo effort, things that you're not going to see him do in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, because of his skill, because of his power, because of his skating, he's able to do in the AHL. Now, how's that teaching him? <laughs> how's, how's that? Yes, sure, he's playing more minutes, but he's back to playing the style um, that he played in the AHL 
last season, a more offensive role. Um, but but how is that? Uh, you know, it's it's been an adjustment. It's been a struggle for him at times in the NHL to learn the way they want him to play. But but him tossed back to the AHL, uh, and 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 again he naturally goes back to his more offensive role. How, how's 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 that work? How's he learning anything that's going right. to do him? Uh, well when he goes when he is recalled to Montreal well you know I'm sure that he's getting um, all the praise and support that he possibly can uh, particularly from the coaching staff in fact uh, when they were asked uh, about Fleury's performance on Friday night after his first game in the AHL this season uh, Joel Bouchard had this to say and what did you see from Kill Fleury tonight I thought he did all right for a guy that got sent down uh, this morning and, you know, is coming to play in the American League. I've seen a lot worse. Um, he wasn't in shake-up that much, but I think he did pretty good. I mean, stop the, <laughs> stop the presses on that one. <laughs> oh, I thought he did. I did all right. You know, just got sent down this morning. I, I've seen worse. Wow. That'll, that's a pat on the back right there. Um, I, I get it. People, listen, to use a favorite phrase of the coach, let's call a spade a spade. I understand people like Joel Bouchard because he spits out bombastic sound bites that make great headlines. But to me, that doesn't translate into effective coaching. It means that he's, he's, he's effective in front of a microphone. Um, so, okay, maybe that's his honest assessment of Kale Fleury's performance that night. Um, I certainly hope that's not the demeanor that's presented to Kale Fleury when given feedback one-on-one following that first game, because that would not invoke confidence in a young player who's dealing with the emotional response of, I made the team at a camp this year, and I find myself back down here in the AHL again. Um, yeah, I, I just people get so excited but, about Joel Bouchard's sound bites, and I'm I'm so over them. But the other thing is, we've heard that before. We've heard him uh, speak like that about Victor Meta. We've heard him speak like that about Ryan Paling. Um, they're not very good uh, with the and and with the kind of um, uh, implied uh, reaction that uh, okay, I I need to work with them and then watch what they're like after I've spent time with them. They're going to be great. So it's almost it's almost kind of uh, setting up this little self fulfilling prophecy that they're terrible when they arrive. They played a bad first game, uh, but after the coaching staff works with them, they'll be fabulous. Uh, it's it's a little self serving, I think. The interesting thing is, as you mentioned, uh, when I when I suggested that Saturday's game in particular with Kakinyemi getting sent down was probably the most eyes that the AHL affiliate has had on them in a very long time. It's quite, for me, quite apropos that they then put on one of their worst performances for all of Montreal to see. Um and interestingly enough, I started seeing a little more this weekend fans and some in the media 
start to take a little shine off that off that bright dangly Joel Bouchard coaching trophy. Um, so I started to see people question his decisions in in how he played Kotkaniemi on Saturday night. Start to question um, overall effectiveness since the team continues to keep losing the way that they do in the manner in which they do. Um, And I'm not saying it's deserved or not. I'm just saying we are so accustomed to being all alone on an Island in the, we have some objective criticisms and aren't on board the fan boat bandwagon of Joel Bouchard. Uh, And so it was a little refreshing to see other people kind of get their eyes open to wait a minute, this was painted to be a really pretty picture of what's happening down in Laval, and maybe it's maybe it's not quite as glossy as, as the artists wanted it to appear. Um, and it's interesting that you mention how that works of, of Bouchard saying, oh, you know, they've come down, uh, didn't have a great first game, but let us let us work at them. Well, Saturday night, after this terrible lead that they blew and end up, ended up losing in overtime, Bouchard had plenty to say that night. And here's what he had to say about what that game in general meant for his team. Well, I think it's a group that for the last 10 games I've been telling them, I've been coaching them, I've been kind of trying to guide them through it, and I think we needed that. We needed that rock bottom a little bit. A lot of guys that, uh, you know, the trust factor between each other, the chemistry. And how do you get chemistry? How do you get adversity? You know, we, we, we underestimate adversity. It's, it's something that's important. Those guys need to leave it, and now they're living it. And I think now they have enough. I think, you know, we were going with good performance, bad performance, guys that are trying, you know, they have experience, so they're not as coachable, and, you know, and now you see what happens. They make mistakes, and, you know, so it's kind of a good thing, so we can progress at one point. So the coach that's been telling us that the key to development and the key to the AHL is a winning culture now says the best way, the best thing for your players is to hit rock bottom and face adversity and it'll make you stronger. Oh, and by the way, that, you know, of course there's some players in there, some older ones that have a lot of hockey experience and they're not as coachable, AKA they don't fall into step with every single thing I say. Rick, that, that one, that 56 second soundbite, that's the one that should be in every headline. And, and well, with everything, there's always kind of a grain of truth. Adversity, yeah, is is mm-hmm. uh, helps build credit, uh, uh, character, and 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 strength. But uh, for him to seemingly relish the fact that, listen, I've been preaching. To, uh, there's there's the the disassociation, right? There's the uh, I'm here, and those guys are over there, and and they're over there with a the loss. I'm not I'm I'm not part of it um, because I've been preaching. Um, exactly what they need to do. Uh, they haven't listened. 
so now they've fallen flat on their faces and uh, I can go uh, and pick them up and uh, maybe they'll start listening to me now, which is my goodness. Uh, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff that, that um, you just don't usually hear from coaches. And we've heard so much um, from uh, uh, Joe Bouchard the last two years about, um, you know, how, how, um, fabulous he's doing and how terrible his players are um mm. I, I i just get i i'm i i i simply haven't gotten gotten used to hearing uh that it's uh it's 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 not the kind of thing you normally hear from a coach allegedly in in french in that same press conference he he expanded on that more saying things like you know he's he's given them plenty of rope um you know, and yeah, now he's going to pull back on the rope and that there's a lot of egos in the room that need to get out of the way. And I mean, I just, okay. If that's, if that's the, the path that you want to take, um, if that's the path that you want to take, I have a feeling that those players that you're mentioning who have more experience, who, as, as he puts it, aren't quite as quote unquote coachable. Um, I don't think that's going to make them any more coachable. I don't think that's going to endear uh, you to them anymore if you're telling them that they all have a bunch of egos that need to get out of the way um, and that you're giving them a lot of rope to see if they hang themselves and that when they do, he'll be there to pick up the pieces and clean it up. Um, this goes back to my my earlier statement where I said I've, I just, I've had it with, with the sound bites. Uh, show me effective coaching. So show me results. And then maybe I won't be so critical. Um, so that leads us then, of course, to Kakinyemi. Um, Kakinyemi getting sent down, <laughs> sent down on Saturday morning, a few hours before the, the Canadians were slated to play um, their matinee game. Um, now, Kakinyemi... He was out there on the power play. He played on the, he centered the top line with Charles Houdon and <clears throat> Joe Cox. Yeah. You've all heard of him, right? Um, some will say he, yes, he's for a guy who earned himself an AHL contract this year uh, from being an ECHL call up last year. Uh, he's done a serviceable job. Um, that's about all you can expect from, from, a player like Joe Cox, uh, but apparently he was the, the winger to play on uh, Kakinemi's right wing on Saturday night. Um, but things that you notice, you're going to hear the headlines that, oh, Kakinemi said this was my favorite game of the season, and he was just he was joking around with certain members of the mainstream media that he was familiar with in the locker room after the game. And, you know, the, the rocket had video of him all smiles in the hallway before they went out for warm up and so forth. Great. If, 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 if just very, if you spare Kakinemi was able to find some joy out of the situation he found himself thrust into on Saturday night, good for him. Good for him. But don't let people sell you on the fact that he is thrilled about being in Laval because he's not. Um, how can you tell? Watch the goal that Charles Houdon scores to put that team up four to one against the Belleville Senators in the third period. 
Kakinyemi was the secondary assist. And I don't think that he could have looked more unenthusiastic as he very slowly and methodically skated over to the goal celebration. Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's not usually how KK reacts if he's a secondary assist in the NHL, correct? Uh, uh, No. Um, And I think, yeah, the, the, the headline that, that, as you say, people are taking uh, away from this and, and, and chopping that quote saying my favorite game of the year. Um, It's, it, we, we had a talk about um, the different types of, of interviews and, and getting to know people and getting to read, getting to read eyes, getting to read body language, getting to read. And that, that um, you know, what, what things mean. And, and normally, um, Kakanyemi is is uh, happy and 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 kind of a gushing personality, easygoing, boyish smile, not shy, very talkative, uh, naive, you could say, um, and 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 silly. He's he, he acts silly a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember his mom saying, you know, he's out there with all those men, uh, and and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm worrying he's going to get hurt. Um, but but just he's he's got that kind of um, positive enthusiasm and um, you know his his celebration certainly was subdued his his interview was certainly uh, subdued yes um, when he he went to the the bench uh, during warmups uh, to to get some uh, water um, he spotted. Uh, the little guys, the little hockey players in their gear sitting on the, you know, it's exciting for them uh, to, to watch the warmups from the bench. And it's not the kind of thing you, you see in the Bell Center, but Plas Bell, there they are. And, um, and so, yeah, a, big, a smile came to his face and he can relate to that and, and um, fist pump each of them. And, and uh, sure, he can, he can take some fun out of that. Uh, but when you put in the context the whole day that he arrived at the Bell Center, maybe not expecting to play because he had been a healthy scratch uh, before that. But, um, you know, he had no idea that um, when he, he and, and probably uh, figured that he was going to have an extra skate at the game day skate because he would be one of those healthy scratches. Uh, but to not get on the ice and to be told, um no, we're shipping you. You're no longer part of the Montreal Canadiens. You're you're going to the Laval Rocket, and you're going to play tonight. Um, and his whole world was just turned upside down in a minute. And um, was he excited about it? Of course not. Um, was he shaken? Yes. Um, and and even at that point, okay, you're not part of the Canadiens, so you're not going to go on the ice with with us. Um, so he went home and and. He and his dad went to a neighborhood rink because uh, he hadn't skated for for a few days, hadn't had been the healthy scratch, and knew he needed to to skate before he got in a game, even an AHL game. Um, and it reminds me of of Michael McNiven, you know, uh, phoning around. Can somebody give me ice time, please? Uh, how do the Canadians abandon their their prospects like this? Uh, and he and his dad out on a community rink in the afternoon 
doing their own little workout and skating um, before taking the, the trip uh, with, with Flurry to uh, Laval for the game that night. And, and uh, so you see his interview afterwards and, and um, where he talks about my, my favorite game of the year. Can you take that literally? Look at his expression. Look at his dead eyes in that interview. Um, I think it was more because when you think, why did he say favorite game of the year? Well, because he played and, and not only did he play, but the, that the people that uh, were, were on the bench had confidence in, in him. They trusted him. Um, He said it was a different feeling going on the ice and feeling all the trust. It was great. That was, that was, you got to read between the lines there. It wasn't that he was, thrilled with going to the AHL he was he was happy to be play playing and and have the trust of the coaching staff um and you know then he was asked um how do you get back to the NHL he's like how do you get back to the NHL I just got I just got down here I'm just trying to stay alive here uh was his quote and um you know uh, does hockey feel fun again yeah for sure uh, that mean, doesn't mean he's happy to be there. Um, and he talked about how different the game was and it was going to take time to get used to it. Um, for, for, you know, um, saying that, that you ship him down to gain his confidence. Well, first, his confidence was shattered that day. Absolutely shattered. Um, and I, I just can't believe how people are are plucking things out of out of uh, either the game, uh, the warm-ups, uh, or his post-game interview to try and paint this in some sort of wonderful way for Jesperi Kotkaniemi on a very difficult uh, day for him and a, a day that was very emotionally draining for him. And that by the time the interview was um, uh, coming to a close and, and as Chris G, who was there, uh, in front of him uh, reported he was tearing up um, it was diff- a very difficult day for him that I know that doesn't jive with all the headlines you've seen or the, the little twitter grabs that you've seen uh, but that's what happened and hey make that call for yourself because as Rick said Chris G was in the locker room that night so we have audio of of Kakiyami's interview any of you listening to this podcast have listened to Kakiyami's post-game scrums and as rick said he's lighthearted, he's peppy even on a bad night he's he's got energy in his voice and a, and a smile here's a couple of clips of things that rick just mentioned you be the judge the first of which is this is this famous it was my favorite game of the year quote now you can read the words for me from my side it was my favorite game of the year but when you hear it, it takes on a whole new meaning. And so listen to it's a very short clip. He says he basically says that the the result of the game wasn't what they wanted, but from his side, it was his favorite game of the year. Take a listen. Um, yeah, for sure the result wasn't, wasn't that we wanted, but uh, uh, from my side, for sure it was uh, my favorite game of the year. So, yes, he says the words from my side, it was my favorite game of the year, but that's not a kid that's jumping up and down with joy. 
Um, we've said before, we've said, and we we preach this to to the new staff that that join us. Um, information without context is meaningless or can be misleading, and I mm-hmm. think that uh, applies perfectly in this situation. The next clip I have uh, is where he talks about, uh, yeah, you know, down here. If I if if it's gonna be that I'm gonna play a lot like today, where he gets a lot of ice time, well then that always brings the confidence up, and and hockey just feels fun this way. So again, he's making positive commentary, but the 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 impetus behind that commentary isn't necessarily a good thing. Um, and again, listen to the tone of his voice. I uh, just can play play a lot like today. Uh always brings the confidence up and uh, you know the hockey just feels feels fun fun uh, this way. You can barely hear him. I mean I, I've actually had to amplify this clip because of how quietly he was speaking in this interview. Um this is a kid that is not having fun playing hockey right now in Montreal. And so he's saying well, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to play like I got to play today, hockey feels more fun like this. Doesn't mean he's happy to be there, but he at least feels better playing the game. Last but not least, this is a little bit of a longer clip, but I want to let it play out because these are the last two questions of his interview. And I feel like this has got, as Rick was mentioning, this has gotten glossed over in all of the the positive hype around KK uh, over the weekend Um, and and this is where someone asks him your game on a personal basis how do you feel about it and what do you feel you need to do I'm paraphrasing here what do you need to do in your personal game to get back to the NHL right away and it then leads into his answer for that is very significant, and then it leads into how he found out he was going to Laval on Saturday. So be sure to listen through to the whole end. This is where Chris G. had, had reported he got very emotional. Uh, first of all, just uh, trying to stay alive here. You know, There's a uh, few guys who can kill every, every shift, so uh, that's, a, that's a one thing. And, uh, you know, I think just bringing the confidence back and, uh, you know, just to play with the puck a little bit here. Uh, I think that will help me. Did you see it coming in the last few days, weeks, maybe? I don't know. I just uh, went to Bell Center this morning and uh, they told me, so uh, I think that's it. Yeah. You, went to, you went to the rink this morning? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Thank you, Gabe. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for it. I... <laughs> Could you hear, first of all, there was surprise in, in the reporter's voice when they said, wait a minute, you went to the rink today? And, and Kakinami's answer was, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, I did. And you heard someone just go, huh. <laughs> um, but as that went on, Rick, his voice got softer and softer and shakier and shakier. And that, to me, was all the sounds of dejection, low confidence, um, and just feeling very, very down. 
And I think that tells the bigger story. Well, it, it's it's obvious to me that Claude Julian has uh, gotten in the head of uh, Jesperi Kakaniemi, uh, that he doesn't feel that the coach trusts him. Uh, he doesn't. Um, and and you, you, you kind of have to go back um, and, and again, putting things in context. Um, last March, when uh, Kakaniemi was scratched for the first na- time, Claude Julian said, uh, oh, he's, he's fatigued. Um, it's, you know, um, uh, he's, he's really fatigued. Kakaniemi was asked, um, oh, you're feeling tired? No, I'm not tired at all. <laughs> um, and then after the season, um, that he was uh, kind of the, the end of season interview and um, they, they referred to him being fatigued again. And he was insistent about not being fatigued, and, but he went on this time and said, um, it's, this is, this is new for me to get used to playing on a third line, uh, playing 10 minutes a game, playing uh, a role where I don't have, um, you know, opportunities uh, to have this, the puck on my stick. Um, and he said, all of this is, is, is quite new for me. Um, and, and again, this year he's, he's, um, you know, this year it's been compounded by some injury issues, um, and difficulty coming back from that. And, um, but again, um, not even when, when he's, played well he he doesn't get the credit for it uh and the coach is very quick to jump on him very quick to jump on on many of the young players um flurry as well um when they do make a mistake and they're just they're playing afraid and so you know the biggest uh takeaway i think is it was his favorite game. Why was his favorite game? Because he was trusted again, because he was allowed to, um, you know, to, 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 to play a game, not necessarily for the minutes, but just because, because the, the person behind the bench had some trust in him, which has been missing for so long. Um, and, you know, it reminded me also of, of uh, something that came out in the summer um, and it was just after Yol Armia signed, Yol Armia and Arturi Lekkonen signed um, uh, contracts. And uh, Yol Armia was interviewed in the um, Finnish press, and it kind of made a, a splash. Uh, some of the some of the, the the comments that he made, and the one that he made was, uh, uh, "No, I'm not learning French." Uh, and they said, "Why?" And and he said, "Well, the, then I can't read the terrible things that." They say about, about me. I'm, I prefer to uh, follow the uh, the Finnish press, um, but people ignored what else he said in there um, about how he had taken Kakenemi under his wing, both Lekkonen and, and Armia, but mostly Ar- Armia, and and had cautioned him, cautioned Kakenemi about being so open and being so naive and being so free with his his words and his enthusiasm. Um, and uh, Yol Armia said, the less you say, the less you will be asked. Um, and he went on to, to, to advise Kakenyemi that uh, the media knows that they won't get a good story when they interview me. Um, and, and that's allowed me to, to uh, and, and 
army has got this this reputation of being kind of you know the the sulky and, and and no personality and all that kind of stuff and and players have said exactly the opposite but he's crafted this image to provide a bit of a shield uh from the, the Montreal press and uh and and as as I'm listening to to Kakinyemi um he's still going to be more emotional he's still going to be more open um but but maybe some of those lessons uh are going to uh, pay off and, and, and that from that advice that he got from Yul Armia. Well, we can uh, certainly keep our fingers crossed that uh, in some way, shape or form, uh, both Kakinyemi and Flurry can turn their current situation into a positive one should go on the record as also saying uh, no one on this podcast right now is, is against young players spending some time in the AHL. Um, that's, that's not what any criticism today uh, was geared toward um, at all. Uh, the AHL is a great place to to get to make mistakes and, and learn things and, and grow your game. Uh, just perhaps the um, driving force behind this week's decisions and how those decisions were handled is more of, of what we're focusing uh, on today. Um, and so just hoping that both players can, can – find a way for themselves to take some positives out of this experience, however long they happen to be down. René Lavoie was on the record as saying uh, that Kakinemi's stay in Laval is indefinite. So who even knows what that means? Um, KK might be uh, spending a, a decent amount of time in Laval. Um, hopefully he can make some gains out of it and get back to Montreal uh, sooner rather than later, but of course we will keep you apprised of everything uh, as it happens. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When on the other side, we are going to go around the AHL um, and give you uh, a quick piece of AHL news, and then we've got a very special guest joining us today, uh, Mr. Patrick Williams, the AHL correspondent for NHL.com, EP Rinkside. So you don't want to miss that. He's got a lot of great information for us. Stay there. We'll be back just after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget to find us on Twitter seven days a week at the AHL report. We'd love to hear from you. Love to interact with our fans. 
uh, on Twitter at the AHL report. Uh, Rick, I quickly just want to, um, not going to go into any detail, but just want to make some quick announcements uh, with some AHL news as far as the CCM AHL player of the week uh, that was announced uh, yesterday. And that is Jack Stanicka from the Providence Bruins is the AHL player of the week. Uh, but of course, since it is the beginning of February, we also have the players of the month, uh, for the month of January, who have been announced. Um, the player of the month is from the Iowa Wild, and that is Gerald Mayhew, uh, a forward for the Iowa Wild. Uh, the goaltender of the month is, uh, hey, we were just talking about the Belleville Senators, Philip Gustafson for the Belleville Sens, uh, the goaltender of the month, uh, posting 4-0 and one with a 1.78 goals against and a 9.42 save percentage, including one shutout. Uh, and then the Rookie of the Month going to Springfield Thunderbirds uh, forward Owen Tippett. So congratulations to all of them. Also want to make a, a, a note to say congratulations to the Laval Rocket. Uh, they It has been announced that they have been awarded the uh, honor of hosting the AHL All-Star Classic next year in 2021. So yes, that does mean the All-Stars will be coming to Quebec next year. Uh, we'll have greater detail about that in uh, upcoming episodes, but just want to give a, a little nod and a stick tap to uh, Laval for you know, they've been working very hard to uh, to bring that uh, to Laval ever since the franchise started just a couple of years ago. Um, so we'll have more of that uh, coming in future weeks of the show. Right now, however, um, we want to take a minute to welcome our very special guest. Well, I'm happy to say that we are joined in this segment uh, from a, a friend and colleague of ours, Mr. Patrick Williams, the AHL correspondent at NHL.com and the AHL columnist for EP Ringside. Uh, Patrick, thanks so much for being with us again today. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, well, uh, well, and we should say welcome back to the um, the, the beautiful cold weather now that you've spent some time out there in, in sunny Southern California. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you were happy to put the parka back on. Oh, I was absolutely thrilled. Yes. <laughs> um, of course, we're referring to the AHL all-star festivities that uh, recently took place uh, in Ontario, California. Patrick was there. And what we really want to talk with you a little bit about today uh, is the things that Dave Andrews reviewed in his annual state of the league address, which is kind of one of the most underrated uh, portions of the all-star weekend. But mm-hmm. for us, it's actually kind of the most, ex- one of the most exciting and, and important parts yeah. of the weekend, because it's, it's the one time a year we get some access to, to the president and find out what's coming. Um, so the first thing that we kind of want to touch on is something that um was a little bit of a has a little bit of buzz around it, and that is that there is allegedly some changes coming to the veteran rule in the AHL. Can you can you shed some light on that for us? Yeah, well, you know, as we all know, the veteran rule is a massive uh, factor in, in roster construction, uh, certainly in lineups, uh, uh, and just uh, certainly from a standpoint of players who are trying to get jobs. Uh, once they cross over into that veteran status, just a little background on that. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're a veteran essentially in terms of status. If you've played 320 uh, or more NHL, AHL or high level European uh, regular season games, goalies are exempt from that. Uh, uh, and then there's a vet exempt uh, who's been between 
261 and 320 uh, NHL, AHL, or Europe. So uh, in, in all, you're allowed to dress uh, five, five vets, one vet exempt any game. Uh, you know, you're, you're allowed to carry as many on the roster as you want, but uh, most teams really don't try to carry more than they, than they can dress. So uh, mm-hmm. next season, they're actually going to add a wrinkle to that though. And uh, players who have not turned 25 years old before July 1st of that coming season will not qualify as a veteran regardless of the number of games they've played uh, and this was a huge uh, huge huge negotiation piece in the uh, uh, discussions uh, on the new CBA that was uh, ratified this past uh, fall uh, between the, or the AHO and the uh, Professional Hockey Players Association and uh, you know it's something that the, the PHPA felt pretty strongly about uh, they proposed it uh, the AHL hadn't ever uh, agreed to any sort of change uh, in the past 25 years or so with the veteran role. Uh, so it was uh, for the AHL, it was a pretty, uh, pretty radical departure from the norm. Uh, but I think uh, this uh, is going to make a big difference for a lot of players who were getting into that 23, 24 year old range and hitting that, uh, that veteran threshold and not able at least as easily to find a job. Uh, and especially it affected the, players come out of uh, junior or Europe uh, who were hitting that uh, level a lot more quickly than uh, somebody who played college and maybe comes out at 22 or 23. So there were a lot of guys kind of just getting squeezed in there. And that's why you started in the last number of years seeing 24, 25 year olds going over to Europe. And uh, that doesn't really work for either side. Uh, just the amount of turnover wasn't good. And, you, and you're chasing away a lot of guys are still you know, on the fairly, fairly young side of things and uh, maybe late bloomers or just uh you know, at that point are certainly quality players. So um, this is going to be a pretty significant change. I don't, I don't think it's getting, you know, necessarily the amount of uh, buzz or, or focus that uh, it probably should, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a big factor now and it's going to really, I think, ease things up for, uh, for those uh, players who have uh, had a hard time uh, once they hit 24, 25 years old, finding a job. So um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Uh, it, it does really mark a, Fairly significant uh, change from a league, league that's been about development, you know, really for the last twenty something years. So uh, I think we'll uh, we'll see what that looks like next season. But uh, you know, uh, when that officially came through, that was definitely a surprise for sure. Last year at the uh, State of the, the League address, we asked um, Dave Andrews about the availability of information and statistics, and he, he mm. spoke in kind of general terms about uh, moving in the direction of making more things available. It kind of hinted about a bit of a resistance from the NHL GMs. But since then, we had the announcement at the NHL All-Star Weekend from Gary Bettman that player tracking and puck tracking is is a thing of the present and it's going to happen in the playoffs and then to the start of, of next season. Uh, did the president talk about um, the availability of information or, or the, the tracking uh, and, and how that, how the AHL would respond to that? Yeah. Specific, uh, specifically the matter of time on ice came up and time on ice is such a vital stat. It really gives context mm-hmm. to all the other stats that you put out there, uh, you know, especially once you get into the higher level analytics, the shot quality, the shots, uh, totals, all that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, without that time and ice, those numbers tend to not have a whole lot of meaning behind them. So that is a continuing uh, endeavor for Dave Andrews. He certainly uh, 
has tried to push it, uh, you know, and, and get approval from uh, the rest of the lead, the board of governors. Uh, the main hang up right now is cost. Uh, and just the, uh, the other aspect of that is uh, finding uh, from rank to rank, uh, you want to have consistency in terms of what's being tracked and uh, uh, how accurately it's being tracked. And that hasn't always been the case. Uh, I mean, for the most part, every team, uh, every rank now does track time on ice unofficially, but uh, uh, that information is kept to themselves and it, it's, it's not, uh, it's not considered official. And, uh, you know, for it to finally transition to official, you know, be in the system, the computer system, all the software that's necessary for that uh, is a pretty major expenditure. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, money talks uh, and, uh, they're not there yet. Uh, they're getting there. Uh, there is more, I think, of a push uh, from the uh, uh, an increasing number of the uh, you know, teams out there to put this information out there. There's still resistance, like you said, from some of the uh, the more old guard uh, general managers and, and, and front office types who want to keep that information very uh, much to themselves. But uh, now, as Andrews has pointed out, he's I mean he's call this quote a uh, archaic way of looking at things uh you know and especially in the context of like you said the nhl where um so much information is being put out there and now we're gonna have tracking and, and you know everything and in the hl here we are we're still you know hoping for time on ice so um i think think it's getting there i think we'll see it uh, before too long but uh as always money talks and uh, uh certainly uh there is resistance as well so those are the two big uh, obstacles that still have to be overcome. One of the things that uh, that you uh, were actively speaking about on social media, both during the during the state of the league address and afterward, it seemed there seemed there needed to be some clarification with the announcement that uh, Vegas would like to own their own affiliate. Uh, in the AHL, of course, right now they're they're affiliated with the Chicago Wolves, who are privately owned. So, can you can you tell us? Give us the facts on on what it is that Vegas is looking to do, um, and and what that would mean in terms of expansion in the league. Yeah, well, on the first point, uh, yes, there was uh, quite a bit of uh, people jumping to conclusions, uh, people kind of running away with their imaginations, and you know, it felt like at one point half the league was moving to Vegas, and uh, you know, that's not <laughs> the case. Uh, Chicago Wolves are not going out of business. I spoke to Dave Andrews personally. He said. That is not a that is not happening. <laughs> so, you know, scratch that idea right off the table. Mm-hmm. And you know, it comes down to the old, uh, you know, and I think all of us in the AHL understand this, but uh, outside of uh, our circles, it gets a lot more fuzzy in terms of uh, understanding the difference between affiliations and franchises. And uh, mm-hmm. affiliation and franchise are, are not necessarily the same thing. And uh, there are independently owned and operated teams out there, and the Chicago Wolves are uh, probably the most prominent example of that. Uh, they're very independent, uh, you know, in their mindsets, and it's one of those things that has uh, been an issue for them. They've uh, gone through a number of affiliations in the past few years, and uh, it worked well with Vegas when it was simply a matter of uh, uh, 2017, 2018, when there weren't a whole lot of players in the system yet. But now, you know, this coming June, Vegas will have four draft classes, uh, and uh, they're getting a lot mm-hmm. more of that mode of uh, development. And uh, the Chicago Wolves wanting to win Calder Cups uh, and play all the veterans is not uh, necessarily part of that vision. Uh, and the other issue in Vegas has been there's been a change of management. Kelly McCrimmon coming in for George McPhee, uh, who went up to president. So, uh, 
it's a little bit of a different dynamic there. And, uh, and then you know, obviously the other component there is logistics. Uh, you know, Chicago is about as convenient as it gets in terms of logistics, but it is still a three to four hour flight uh, cross country uh, that you're trying to move players back and forth. It's not always convenient. Uh, I can tell you the Chicago airport, I think as we all know is uh, <laughs> highly subject to a lot of uh, weather issues and other uh, flight delays. <laughs> and I have the 13 hour travel day to prove it. Uh, so uh, if you're Vegas uh, and you're looking at uh, looking at your affiliation picture, uh, you have an opportunity to put uh, your players a little ten minutes away from uh, T-Mobile Arena there and uh, uh, you know, play in the Orleans Arena for two years and then move out to uh, to the suburbs in a brand new facility. Uh, you can certainly see what the temptation is there as well, mm-hmm. especially now with uh, so much of a Western footprint uh, for the league. Uh, and it's just becoming uh, the trend now. And, and the league is maxed out at 32 markets, uh, 32 franchises. So it makes these transactions a lot more difficult. Um, it's not uh, the same as it was in the past where uh, if Vegas had wanted a team that say 10 years ago, they would have just applied to the league, bought a franchise, and that would have been the end of it. Uh, now you have to find a willing seller. And uh, there aren't a ton of willing sellers out there. Um, there are a few that would be, you know, willing to consider it, but uh, you know, it's be for the right price. Uh, but it goes to show you just that the amount of interest out there is uh, is just growing. Uh, and you have investors in Vegas. You have the Vegas Golden Golden Knights. Uh, they're looking uh, at this as uh, something that uh, makes sense financially, uh, where they build a new facility out there, and uh, um, uh, you can use that time for for you know for other public events, public hockey, public skating, whatever it needs to be, uh, and then have a hockey team on top of it, training facility, all the works. So uh, uh, we're in a very different uh, AHL than we used to be, uh, certainly on the business end of things. Uh, and uh, but yes, certainly many people got carried away the other day, and uh, you know it was a little bit. Uh, a little bit irritating to see the amount of misinformation out there that was uh, running away, uh, especially since most of it was spread by people that, uh, you know, really didn't know what they were talking about. So um, you had to kind of put out that fire there and uh, get things back on track because, I mean, I think the important thing is to understand if you're a fan of a team and all of a sudden you're seeing your team uh, mentioned in rumors leaving, uh, that, that that's difficult. I mean, you know, there mm-hmm. are a lot of fans in this league where, uh, you know, their team is, they're as passionate about the Chicago Wolves as you know an NHL fan would be passionate about their team, and uh, to see that uh, see that rumor out there is, is, is difficult. And I got you know a number of emails or DMs or you know text messages from different fans uh, who were concerned, and uh, you know does this mean we're losing our team? And it's like let's let's hold the phone here, let's slow down, let's really kind of like look at what the picture is here. And um, you know I do think there will be a team in Vegas, uh, and. Uh, definitely uh, that uh, affiliation will be with the Golden Knights, but uh, it won't be uh, at the expense of the Chicago Wolves. I think that's the important thing uh, for everybody to really take away from this. You mentioned that this is a, a different AHL, and much of that is can be credited to to Dave Andrews. Um, this was his his last State of the League address, and and uh, probably by this time next month we'll we'll have an idea who the next president will be. Um, can you talk about uh, what that transition is going to look like and, uh, um, and you know, how, how, how different it, it could be without uh, that icon there um, in Dave Andrews and maybe a little bit about what his legacy will be? 
Well, yeah, I'll start with his legacy. When he uh, came in, he had been a, an executive uh, with Edmonton's AHL affiliation in Cape Breton for about seven years. He came in in 94, uh, replaced Jack Butterfield, who had been in that role since 1966. And, you know, for any fans that know what the league went through in the 70s, uh, the league uh, eventually shrunk to six teams, uh, you know, with NHL expansion, WHA. Uh, the league was really, uh, you know, kind of on life support uh, at the time. And uh, Butterfield had brought that league back to life over the next 15 or so years. But Andrews, when he inherited the league, it was still on very shaky ground, a lot of uh, very shaky franchises. Uh, playing in uh, kind of rundown buildings uh, in markets that were really struggling. Uh, 16 teams across uh, the league, uh, mostly limited to the Northeast uh, the United States and Atlantic Canada. So uh, in some ways they were boxed in. And then the other factor was the International Hockey League uh, in the mid nineties was just, uh, they were just cruising. Uh, they were going to all the big markets all across North America, uh, throwing around some really big money that's never been available in hockey. So, Andrews first had to handle that uh, situation, and uh, he decided along the way that uh, NHL affiliations and development was the way to go, uh, and that was the way of really stabilizing the American Hockey League, and uh, eventually he won that battle, uh, and it ended up actually costing the International Hockey League its uh, existence, and that's when you had this wave of six teams move over uh, from the IHL to the AHL, and it really was the first move into the uh, the Midwest of the United States, uh, as well as Winnipeg, and uh, kind of really got the league on a much more solid footing. And then from there, uh, you know, there were still more challenges along the way. Uh, but uh, the 2015 push into the West Coast was another massive uh, change for the league. So, uh, you know, he doubled the league in 25 years in number of teams and, and also just in terms of uh, – uh, financial stability, which is obviously, you know, the name of the game. Uh, you can't have a league if you're not financially stable. And, and that was um, really, you know, when you look at what he brought to this league, that will be his legacy is that just many more teams now are on solid footing. Uh, so as far as the transition though, uh, uh, they, they started the whole uh, search uh, this past October. Uh, it was uh, led by the uh, head of actually the San Antonio Spurs uh, in the NBA. Uh, so, uh, that's obviously a pretty big heavy hitter. Uh, there was an NHL GM involved. There was uh, just a number of uh, other hockey executives involved. Uh, they got about 100 applications, uh, whittled that down uh, into manageable amounts, uh, went through the interviews. Now they're uh, kind of at that final stage where uh, they have their uh, small list of, uh, of the top candidates, and now you kind of whittle that down again, again, again. And uh, they'd like to have it by somewhere in the middle to late February. And uh, from there, uh, depending on that, on that person's schedule, uh, ideally they would uh, start May 1st at the uh, American Hockey League office in Springfield, Massachusetts, work kind of side by side with Dave Andrews, uh, almost shadow him in a way, uh, and uh, do that for a couple of months. Andrews' last day officially is uh, June 30th. Uh, so you'll, uh, you know, you'll kind of be on a tight schedule as it is. Uh, and if they can make that work just in terms of what the, the, the new person's schedule is, uh, they'd like to do that. And then from there, Andrews uh, will kind of uh, not go completely cold turkey. He'll slide into uh, more of an advisory role, uh, as he puts it. Uh, more of a I'll be reachable by phone type of role. Uh, but he won't <laughs> be in the office, uh, even on a part-time basis. And uh, he'll still chair the Board of Governors. Uh, so that's sort of his... Uh, uh, way to sort of, I think, still keep a foot in the door, but, uh, you know, obviously step aside and let this new person uh, really have uh, kind of the freedom and uh, the uh, wherewithal to 
to take the lead in whichever direction they see fit, not have somebody looking over their shoulder. So that's kind of the, what the plan is sketched out now. Now, as we all know in this league, uh, you know, things, uh, plans are usually written in pencil and not ink. So uh, that could change, but uh, that's where it stands right now. Well, Patrick, we really appreciate uh, all of this information. Um, as always, you're, you're, a uh, great colleague and and always a source of of the information from the source as as we like to say and uh, always a pleasure to to run into you in press boxes around the AHL um, and can't forget to mention that you also in addition to all of the work that you're doing with EP Ringside and and NHL.com have uh, launched another new venture of of your own this year with a new podcast called Around the A. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about about that? Yeah, um, you know, really excited about it. It's certainly a different type of uh, thing from what I'm accustomed to. I was pretty much always print and, uh, you know, web uh, and just mostly focused on writing. But uh, you know, the whole media business is changing as well. And you have to be a little bit more versatile. So it's something I looked into and uh, I kicked the idea around for a couple of years, uh, never quite found the right fit uh you know I talked to some different teams or different leagues or companies and you know it just didn't there the fit didn't feel right but uh had an opportunity with uh David Foote from the Belleville Senators uh he's part of their broadcast team he was looking to do something uh you know we finally were able to match up our schedules match up our uh, you know availability and uh you know I think without him it would not have been possible he's the uh the genius behind all the uh the tech and the sound quality and everything else. And uh, I'm the one that gets the guests. So uh, we kind of put both of our strengths together and, uh, you know, attack it from that end of things. But, uh, you know, without him, uh, <laughs> there would be no podcast for sure. Uh, it would be in a very difficult spot. Uh, my tech skills are uh, somewhere around like 2004, 2005. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he's able to really do that, really make the show uh, you know, sound, you know, the way you want it to sound. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a, a chance to uh, really uh, speak with some different people. Uh, we're having Mike McKenna on uh, this coming week. Uh, great talker, obviously, I think, as everybody in this league knows. And uh, you yes. know, it's just a chance to really expand the coverage. I mean, we've seen how newspapers have really pulled back in the last number of years. Uh, you know, a lot of fans are kind of desperate for coverage. I mean, I think it's what your show does. It's what we're trying to do. Uh, and if, uh, if the newspapers aren't going to do it, well, then, you know, that's where we come in. And we're trying to – all of us are trying to, uh, you know, expand that coverage. Uh, you know, this is the second uh, highest league in North America, and for my money, uh, mm-hmm. second best league in the world. So, uh, you know, I think it should have at least some level of coverage uh, that, that reflects that. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and uh, a little bit of uh, some bumps in the road, but uh, yeah, we're on the way with it. So it's it's been fun. Fantastic product uh, produced and hosted by uh, two great guys in in the league. Where it's called Around the A, and and where can where can folks find that? Yeah, if you just uh, basically type in uh, Around the A podcast with David Foot and Patrick Williams, uh, sometimes you need to put the full name uh, for it to show up in the the search uh, engine. We're working on that uh, as far as uh, trying to get it a little bit more searchable. Uh, it's available all your major major platforms, uh, Google. Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, whatever you use, uh, you'll be able to access it. So uh, we do it every week uh, for the most part. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I think fans uh, uh, will learn a lot about the league. And I think especially, you know, if you're an Eastern fan, uh, you'll learn a lot about the Western teams and and vice versa. So uh, that's what we're trying to do, really bridge that gap. 
uh, from east to west and, uh, you know, just kind of make this a little bit more of a cohesive uh, media climate uh, in the entire American Hockey League. So uh, that's the goal. I'm not sure we're there yet, but uh, we're working on it. So uh, we'll get there eventually, I hope. <laughs> well, fantastic. That's uh, Patrick Williams. Of course, you can find Patrick on Twitter at P Williams NHL. He's a great follow uh, to keep up on league news. Uh, and Patrick, we always appreciate when you take some time out to appear uh, here at from the press box. Uh, and as we've said, uh, always a joy to get to see you uh, and chat in press boxes around the league as well. So thanks for being with us again today. Well, thanks for having me. You know, it's a pleasure. And um, you, you and Rick both do, you know, amazing work and a uh, huge fan of the show as well. So uh, it's always uh, fun to have an opportunity to come and talk hockey with you guys. Well, thanks again to Patrick for joining us, Rick. It's always a pleasure having Patrick Williams on the show. He's uh he's a great source of knowledge and insight and my goodness, he's, I think he's a, a, a living, walking, talking, breathing history book when it comes to the AHL. <laughs> really a great resource. Indeed he is. He, he's always, uh, it's always good to see him um, um, in the press box and, and, uh, and uh, it's his great insights from uh, the uh, AHL All-Star Weekend. Absolutely. So thanks to Patrick. Uh, we are going to take one last break on the other side. We're going to go beyond the AHL and give you an update on what's happening in Trois Rivières. Is there going to be an ECHL affiliate? Dun, dun, dun. Come back on the other side of this break and we'll tell you all about it. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL Report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report. And watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel, at AllHabs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back again to the From the Press Box here on the AHL Report. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. And once more, don't forget to find us on Twitter. Be sure you're following at the AHL Report, and that will keep you up to date all week long about upcoming episodes of the podcast, our nightly game recaps, uh, feature articles, exclusive interviews, videos, and so forth. So be sure you're following us at the AHL Report. And Rick, when they follow us at the AHL Report, they'll also likely get updates on news like 
what's happening in Trois-Rivières. I feel like this, like at this point, we could have like a soap opera that we produce because it's like every week, if there's a new twist and turn to the story, it's like never ending. There is. And it's, it's, it's kind of bizarre, actually. <laughs> it really um, is. There was the proposal uh, by Dean McDonald, the, the owner of the uh, Growlers, um, and it was apparently supported by the Montreal Canadiens organization. Now that goes back. Um, and uh, a, um, a letter written by John Cedric, uh, one of the, on the legal side, uh, one of the, the VPs for, for the, the Canadians. Um, and then when the, the mayor and, and council of Trois-Rivières investigated it, they were put in touch with uh, France Margaret Belanger, who um, is another VP uh, for the Canadians, but deals with all their commercial affairs. Uh, and she said, um, no, we have no association with uh, Mr. McDonald. Uh, and it left them kind of confused. So uh, the mayor said, no, veto done. We don't, we don't, we don't want that proposal and started pursuing the, um, the proposal with the university uh, run by uh, or, or supported by spearheaded by uh, the CEO from Cirque du Soleil. Um, but 5,000 seat arena for, you know, a dozen 15 games for uh, the Patriots seems like a little bit extravagant um, mm-hmm. and lots of questions were being asked. And, and so they got back in touch with, with the Canadians and the Canadians uh, sent a letter and said, and it, again, John Cedric said, um, you know, this is very attractive to us. Um, only 150 kilometers from the bell center. We'd love to have our ECHL franchise. Uh, we're without a franchise and how important it would be. The Canadians have been without a sole ECHL franchise since the 2016, 17 season. Um, and we, we've, articulated many times why it would be why it would be helpful so in between uh there was a bit of restructuring on the uh executive side uh that jeff molson announced for uh group ch the parent company of the montreal canadians with all rocket and so on uh france margaret boulanger got a bit of promotion and now um there was a um press release that to kind of clarify the situation this past week. And um, the Canadian France, Margaret said, um, we're our only role in this uh, whole proposal is one of an observer. We're not an active party. We're not actively involved. Uh, We're very interested to see how this turns out, but uh, do your deliberations and uh, make your uh, make your decisions based on the proposal uh, from um, Dean McDonald. But we have no association with him uh, whatsoever. Oh, um, so it's been <laughs> back and forth and confusing and and and, and it's a little bizarre um, and uh, certainly has been difficult for the the mayor and council in Trois-Rivières to figure out what exactly is, is, is uh, going on. Um, But, you know, it was confirmed this week or at least publicly um, uh, by the Canadians that um, they, they hope that the decision will be made on 
as they described it, the current state of affairs, and that's one where the Canadians don't have a role in this uh, at all. Um, so good luck. Uh, good luck to to yeah. um, to the folks there. It's um, you know for the on the record the the uh, Cirque du Soleil is not that in, interested in having to share the building with an ECHL team. They don't think that the market can support both, uh, and certainly their attendance would be affected. Uh, but how do you you know, a deal with a building that's um, $50, $60 million, all paid for by taxpayer funds um, and, and with, a, uh, with a, a university team and, and some other, you know, uh, events as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult, um, but the one thing that we know for certain, um, that the deadline to apply for an ECHL franchise was December. So we know that Mm -hmm. for, for next season, it's going to be status quo for the Montreal Canadians and they're not having a, an ECHL affiliate. Uh, It'll be at least one more season um, this way. Well, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to uh, a new franchise and that, that that said, they can always go and, um, you know, affiliate themselves with one of the affiliated unaffiliated um, ECHL uh, franchises, they can solve their problem that way, but they've been able to do that for the last couple of years and haven't, haven't taken that choice. So um, let's see what happens. It's really unfortunate. Um, And they, as you, as you mentioned, they've bungled this umpteen times over and over again. They keep, they keep finding ways to, to create new setbacks in this process. Um, and their depth is suffering because of it and their prospects are suffering because of it. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate to know that, as you say, unless they go out and, and sign up with one of the unaffiliated ECHL teams, which I don't foresee them doing, um, they're not going to have one again next year. And that is, that's a real disservice to the organization um, and a disservice to prospects. Uh, and it's, it's really unfortunate. So I guess uh, like Sam's through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives with the Habs ECHL saga as it continues. Um, we will keep our finger on the pulse of it. And uh, as I said, Rick, it seems like every week we have a new update uh, and it sounds like perhaps next week we might have another update with uh, expected meetings and deadlines coming up this week as well. So we'll see what the next chapter brings. Um, Speaking of updates. Yeah. We have an update. Uh, Claude Julian right now is speaking to the media um, ahead of the Canadians game against uh, the New Jersey Devils. And with Carey Price not on the road trip, he was left behind in Montreal, given that he uh, was suffering from flu-related symptoms. Um, Claude Julien has announced that Charlie Lindgren will start in goal tonight. Good um, choice. With uh, Primo um, being called up on an emergency basis, uh, acting as uh, the backup. Uh, Lindgren has played quite well uh, in, uh, in the three starts that he's had. Um, but still looking for his, his first win, and, and hopefully he can get that tonight against the Devils. 
Absolutely. And and when I say good choice, that's nothing against Caden Primo, but Charlie Lindgren is the one who's been in Montreal in the backup position. It is the right call for him to step into the crease tonight with Carey Price under the weather. So uh, good luck to Charlie Lindgren, and uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that he has a good game. Um, What's coming up this week? Well, we've got, uh, as I mentioned, for the Laval Rocket, they play uh, Utica tomorrow night at home in Place Belle. Uh, that will be an important game, as will both of their road games this weekend at Belleville on Saturday and at Toronto on Sunday afternoon. So uh, we will have full coverage of all of those. Uh, Chris G will be at Place Bell tomorrow night to get post-game audio of uh, the home game. Uh, I'll have the recap and, and keep you posted with live game updates for that, as well as uh, having full coverage of both of the road games this weekend. All three are important divisional games. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what Joe, Joel Bouchard's team can put together this week. Uh, they are, they've had four losses consecutively now. Uh, so we will see what they can do uh, on the other side of things with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. They also play three games. They have one of those wonderful three. And in fact, they have, back-to-back three-in-three weekends this weekend and next weekend. Uh, So they host Springfield, the Thunderbirds, on Friday night before they play in Wilkes-Barre on Saturday and then home again against Hershey on Sunday. Uh, We will be at PPL Center on Friday night to bring you full coverage of the Phantoms game against the Springfield Thunderbirds. So be sure to follow along for that if you are a Flyers fan or if you just like AHL hockey and want to hear about some other uh, spectacular prospects. We'll have all of the coverage for that. And, of course, Rick, we will be right back here again next Tuesday for another episode of From the Press Box. This was a great show. Thanks again to Patrick for joining us. Uh, We had a lot of information today. We sure did, Um, (laughs) as we often do. Um, and uh, you can get all kinds of information uh, by listening to the podcast. If if you want to uh, go back and, and uh, take a listen to uh, those in the repertoire, just uh, take a look at your favorite podcast um, app and, and uh, search for Rocket Sports Radio. There you'll get both the Canadians Connection, the live Montreal Canadians podcast that we do every Saturday, and this one uh, from the Press Box uh, you want to subscribe to Rocket Sports Radio because we have podcasts that are produced and hosted by uh, credentialed hockey journalists, and that'll give you the best chance at getting the most trusted information um, that you can you can use and enjoy. Absolutely. And we thank you so much for joining us again this week. Don't miss our next episode on Tuesday. We're always here for you with all sorts of information around the AHL. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy hockey this weekend. We're almost there. Phil and Willie say spring is coming, so just hold on a little bit longer. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you back here next Tuesday. (laughs) 